Welcome to Pilots and Petards Podcast. This is your co-hoister Jimbo, and joining us as always is our co-hoister Drew. If you're expecting individuals authorized or interested in flying aircrafts, you might be a little disappointed. For the record, petard is a real word and it is non-discriminatory. Petards are explosive devices usually used to take out a door or a wall. To be hoisted on a petard is to be hurt or destroyed by one's own plot device intended for another. So kind of to be blown up by one's own bomb. Here at Pilots and Petards Podcast, we watch television pilots or the first episode of a series and make some critical judgments. We're going to decide whether these pilots are awesome and deserve a watch or rewatch of the preceding series, or we're going to hoist these pilots on their own petards. Uh, to hoist or not to hoist, Jimbo, that is the question. And that is what we do here at this podcast, and this week we have a review. Yes, if you write us a review on iTunes or on your podcast provider, we will read it on the air. We are that kind of podcast, and by that kind of podcast, I mean the kind who likes to have subscribers and people who write reviews. So please subscribe, please write reviews, and this week we're hearing from In a World, five-star review titled More Please. This is some really great quality and creative analysis of these shows, great insights, and great show selection thus far. Don't worry, Drew, I share a similar love for Buffy. Not only are these fun to listen to, but so far, they've brought back wonderful memories for me and got me back to the shows I've loved throughout my life. Keep it up and never stop touching back on the old greats. Thank you, in a world. You will receive your own personalized meme. Right, Jimbo? Yes, everyone that writes us a review, you will get a plug on the social media of your choice. Or, even better, we will send you a personalized Pilots and Petards meme postcard. That is a postcard in the mail to you personalized just send us a private message on any of our social medias and give us your address we're going snail mail where the other podcasters zigging we're choosing to zag you want some snail mail you come to the pilots and petards podcast we got you this is the podcast with nothing much ado about aircrafts and potentially everything ado with first episodes of a filming series join us today as we cast judgment and determine if the show that put glee clubs back on the map will be hoisted or not hoisted that is the question. Today, we're talking about Glee. So I'm going to start off with my background. As I mentioned last week, for those of you that weren't here, I binge-watched the first season of Glee in Africa. It was my first New Year's in Africa. I found the show to be funny and entertaining enough to occupy about two days of my time to watch a whole season. I had a little bit of a jump on you. I'm the hipster Glee watcher. I watched it before you did. I watched the first season in the United States, and then, yes, when we were in the Peace Corps in Mozambique, I got so super addicted and got even more into the show in the second and third season, then came back to America and lost a little bit of touch, but have very strong emotions tied to this funny little show. Let's jump right into it, Jimbo. What are your high points? I liked this show, so I got some high points. I would say the first high point I recognized was the ridiculous characters. It seemed pretty much every character that got any type of screen time had some amount of ridiculousness to them, from the bright clothes they wore, to their cliche character portrayals, to even the awkwardness of their conversations, and I found that to be fun. Very much agreed. The The characterization from day one on this show was... Real specific. I, I've mentioned it before. I'll mention it again. Attention to detail. One of my most favorite things you can put into a pilot makes me feel like, you know, the care and the work was really there. And all the jokes that are self-referential within the very same episode for these ridiculous characters are right there. And 
I like how you called out people being stereotyped. This show definitely like leaned into the stereotypes hard. They kind of like pushed through the stereotype wall and got out on the other side with some fully realized characters. Yeah, just from one, they weren't afraid to call out the tropes. One of your high points, Drew. One of my high points, they got by me the first time I watched the show because the first time you watch the show, you're just a viewer. The fourth or fifth time you watch the show, you're hoisting a podcast. And this time when I watched it, I was just amazed by the editing. Really, really, really tight editing. A lot of story being told in 43 minutes. And mostly because the music is in sync with the dialogue, which is in sync with filming. The best example I could give for the great editing was when Rachel has her audition, the director does a lot of things. First of all, we hear her voice, which we I'm sure we will get to as either a high point or an MVP or a dangling thread. The voice of Leah Michelle is amazing. But then even while she's doing her audition, we get the voiceover and the dialogue that tells you about her character. It's a really, really nice monologue that shows her point of view. And then the physical acting of Leah Michelle in these different situations combined with the music that's still being overlaid and her monologuing about herself through this is just real tight storytelling. And it's, in a way, I like it when stories are showing, not telling, but this one was showing and telling to great effect, so the editing was strong. Did you particularly enjoy the stream of consciousness type jumping around? It didn't stick out to me, so maybe I didn't, I see what you're saying now that you pointed out, but the fact that it didn't stick out to me probably means it wasn't a high or a low point for me. Maybe I was just in the story. Did you? I noticed it when it switched from Will to Finn, but I completely overlooked it when it went to Rachel. I don't know. I, I was kind of on the fence about it. I didn't consider it a high or a low. The new segment called Midpoints. Midpoints. It, it was a midpoint. Moving on. The talk about Rachel transitions into my next high point, which is the music. The music was excellent, and that made the show enjoyable. Auto-tune can make anybody into a singer these days, but I think there was a lot of talent on display. If you continue to watch the show, you know, you'll see that talent develop, but I definitely think that the music was strong because the performers were strong. You know, the music selection is also a big reason that the show became a hit. I'm going to comment by not commenting on the coincidence that the six people that try out for Glee Club were all pretty fantastic singers. You know, what's the chances of that? Good on a television show. High to extremely high on a television show for... I want to talk a little bit about the humor. I want to get your read on the humor of this show. We've watched other shows that have been sitcoms. We've watched shows that have been dramedies. What was your take on the humor of Glee, especially in the pilot? I have to say the humor was a hit and miss for me. There, I definitely laughed out loud on maybe a handful of times, but there was a bunch of jokes that just didn't quite work for me. I really like the joke about when Finn's trying to get with his girlfriend and she's like, let's pray. Like, I actually liked all the dirty jokes the best. Or when he makes up the lie about his mom's prostate surgery. I found the more dirtier jokes to be a hit with me. And then some of the other jokes are cheesy to the point that I didn't think they were funny. What was your take on the Sue Sylvester character? People are polarized on her humor. I've never been a huge fan of her. I do think the character in this episode, from what I remember from the series, is good. I found a lot of the school humor to be very funny. I've talked about my day job before in a middle school. Um, a lot of the school humor really landed with me, especially just the principal talking about the budget because you're like, that's outrageous, that's crazy, and then you teach for a couple of years and you're like, Oh, I love they're making fun of this. Thank you. I appreciate that. Some of the more subtle humor or some of the like background humor really landed with me in a way now as being like 33 years old 
versus when I watched this before 26 or 27 and definitely not in a life place where I am now. I have more to say about the about the teaching profession and education later on in the dangling threads. This is a consistent theme now. We're going from one punch man to glee and, and we're doing some serious education talk. Do you have another high point? I'm good on high points for now. Talk to me about your low points. Unfortunately, I think the ridiculous characters was both high and low. I really enjoyed the ridiculous characters, especially the first part of the episode. But then as the episode went on, the same old story kind of wore off. I was more annoyed with ridiculous characters than I was uh, enjoying it. Similar, I can make that a similar low point. I talked about the show really leaning into the stereotypes. It certainly does. And that, that can be to its credit or to its fault. I think there's definitely tonal shifts even within the the pilot, that if you don't enjoy the premise and if you don't enjoy the show right away, could be jarring. So I can I can get behind that as a low point, and I think that's a lot of shows have to deal with that. Where's my suspension of disbelief versus where's my intrigue with the drama and romance versus is this a song I like? To continue on that note, I felt the melodrama was good for a lot of the show, but I didn't like how every single character was melodramatic. That, to me, was just too much. And that kind of plays into to, uh, my point about the ridiculous characters. I like ridiculous characters, but when every single character is ridiculous and when every single character is melodramatic, it was just it was just a bit much for me. You need a straight man. You need to ground things in reality. Like, someone needs to react to what's going on. And Glee didn't have that. And can I get to a very specific low point? We don't have to go plot-based on our low points. We've, we, we've tended not to hoist any specific moments on any petards. We got, we got pretty close with Buffy, but I think one of my low points was, so the final scene of the first show is there's too many people reacting to the new directions. Like, yeah, Will Schuster comes in and he finds his love for teaching and for performance art again, and that's nice. But then you also cut away to Sue Sylvester and the, the two Cheerios, and they're like, oh, what is this? And then you cut back to the entrance where you kind of saw Will a second ago and all of a sudden Puck's there. Eh, why does this small town Ohio thing have a really nice auditorium, which appears to have multiple entrances and exits where people will not see each other? Because wouldn't it be kind of awkward for like Puck to follow Schuster and Schuster to look up in the wings and have like the, the coach glowering down? And no matter how awesome the performance was, don't you think the people on stage would notice the at that point five people or four people who have entered they act surprised thoughts i didn't focus on that specifically i did think the small town feel was kind of at odds with a lot of the high school dynamics actually i'm not sure where i'm going with this but that's a lot of people to watch the final performance agreed yeah but i can't really comment i don't really recall okay it was strange and in a, in a show where people just break into song and you know have good choreography i still found it strange that that many people were just hanging around an auditorium after the end of a school day they did not acknowledge each other watch the scene again it's weird as storytelling it was obviously there to build suspense so that we come next week because we want to know what's going to happen with the cheerleaders yeah, yeah but i mean why is why is that storytelling okay but your thing with uh, i didn't say it was okay storytelling okay 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 <laughs> okay you're right yeah, it was convenient storytelling, but still, I was like... Very convenient. That, that hallway's getting yeah. crowded. It was trying to meet the cliche, end every show on some huge suspense, and it just missed the target by a lot. Distracting, not drama, distracting. 
we're ready for some MVPs. Drew, why don't you lead us in the MVP? Sure. So my MVP is a little bit twofold. Maybe MVPs-ish, but it's a half. Because my MVP is the chemistry kind of between Finn and Rachel in the first episode. And then that chemistry kind of comes from the fact that my other slash MVPs, they're both stars. There's so many new TV shows and there's so many up and coming people these days that you kind of don't know who's going to make it, who's not. But I felt like watching this show, especially Rachel and the actress, Leah Michelle, her talent was so evident that you kind of knew you were watching something special. You know, she was young, but this wasn't the first thing she'd done, but it was the first thing I saw her in. So it was kind of like, whoa, who's that person? And I remember thinking that uh, when I watched this show originally, when it was on like TV every week, I forgot that her chemistry with Finn, the quarterback is good right off the bat. She's really good right off the bat too. So, you know, Rachel slash Leah Michelle is completely my MVP. Just as I watch it the first time, as I'm watching it now, I'm like, wow, she's a star. So I think she's probably a lot of people's MVP for this show. She was my MVP. I thought Rachel was by far the most likable character and her character was really fun. I do have maybe a couple complaints that, that might make the dangling threads just in general. Yeah, she's she's definitely a great actress, and her character kind of sells the show. I wish they would have maybe focused more on like her character as being that like quirky, kind of ridiculous character in her own way, and not tried to make every character some different shade of her. I can see that. You're right. Well, I don't know. I mean, does she work in that world because she's crazier than the other characters? But does the craziness of the other characters kind of make it okay. And then let me ask you this question. Is the whole show going on in Rachel Berry's head? Are they all actually that good at singing or is she making them that good so that she can accept them as her peers? She thinks so highly of herself. Did you think about that? That would be an extremely interesting lens to view the show if it wasn't for the fact that we jumped inside of other characters' heads. And I, I feel like the show was almost was mostly around Will and inside of Will's head, but then it jumped to Rachel and it jumped to Finn. So I would have loved if the whole show was inside her head, then that would be a perfect interpretation. But the way it came out, I just didn't see it like that at all. It could be what she thinks is happening in Mr. Schuster's head. It could be. but She might not even be in the glee club. She could just be sitting in the back row being miserable. And this is all in her mind. That's a huge stretch, man. That That is a huge stretch. All right. Think about it thought about it but okay that's fair yes <laughs> can we move on why don't you talk to us about the crab man award is you created this award and i very much appreciate it so our crab man award goes to one of the supporting characters that just really brings out the show in some way and so i have i have like a coin toss going between two crab man characters so i'm just gonna go ahead and tell you both of my crab man ish characters and then you can maybe give us yours and then we, we we can maybe give one award to one crab man character i'm on the fence between the principal i thought the principal was excellent he was so i guess serious in his own way that i think it maybe complimented the you know the ridiculousness of some of the plot and then the lawn care dude the lawn care dude i he's definitely my favorite for the crab man award that guy was just funny and then the fact that he comes back at the end. The long hair dude is clearly the Crab Man Award. Okay, he clearly does the most with the least. 
I was searching my head for an alternative Crabman Award, but the long hair guy does so much. And again, that calls back to my my love for attention to detail. You know, he's so fully realized. He comes back at just the right time. He's oh, he just seems like such a good dude. Like when he when he like tussles Finn's hair when they're together, I'm like, oh, that guy's cool. And then he leaves his mom for a younger yeah, chick who is still with him <laughs> while he is like uh, watering the lawn at school. I'm like, yes, yes. It's like it's such a self-referential show within one episode. Yeah, and so he and he's like the foil character. He's like the one that makes Finn Finn. This strange guy with his Joe Dirt super long mullet, and he comes in and just makes Finn Finn. Crabman Award goes to unanimous consensus lawn care dude. I'll find that guy on Twitter. I'll let him know that he won this award, and I will let him know that winning a Crabman Award makes you eligible for one of those Pilots and Petards uh, postcards that everyone's talking about. Now, I think our dangling threads are going to be interesting today. First, I want to ask you how you felt about the portrayal of the teaching profession in this pilot episode. I think that some of it was so incredibly real. Some parts of it were so well done that I'm like, okay, I'm glad that they did actually talk to a teacher or someone really got in touch with their actual experience of high school and being, you know, a student or a teacher So I think some parts they got super right. And then some parts they talked about, which people never really do talk about. Like it is a struggle to be a teacher and feel like it's a profession that you can like care for your family with because, you know, the pay is, it's a professional pay, but um, you're kind of committing to having two paychecks coming in. Like you can't be a teacher and then have like a stay at home spouse in most American cities. And I thought it was cool that like this show really, put a spotlight on that and like, you know, Will had to make a decision, which happens to people in the teaching profession. You know, it's like, can you sustain yourself on this or does like real life kind of catch up with you? Is that what you were asking me about? I have a slightly different perspective on that. Let me just step back and say that I, that, that I agree. It did. I think it captured the teaching profession pretty decent. The teacher lounge scene. I mean, besides Ken, I, I, I felt like it captured the, the teacher dynamic decently I like the fact that Will's just oblivious to bullying. That is that is so real, at least from my high school experience as a student and as a teacher, just teachers not really caring or just easily turning a blind eye to bullying. And then the budget cuts was, was funny and very appropriate. The thing that I was going to add to your comment about the teaching profession, I kind of don't like when teachers complain about not getting paid enough. I feel like teachers get paid well. Now, granted, if you're a single parent and a teacher, you could be struggling. But teachers definitely make more than the average household. Most teachers, okay? There's there's definitely some, some places where starting teachers won't. But most teachers make more than the average household in America. So I kind of felt like the fact that Will can't hire a mechanic or the fact that he's struggling to come up with $60 a month to do something he really wants to do. I don't know, man. I, I'm kind of over teachers complaining about not being paid well. I mean, I've seen the charts and I think a lot of people have seen them too. Like when people are like, Oh, you get summers off. Most teachers work over contract hours. And so most teachers get paid a contract amount of money, which is not commensurate with the number of hours they put in. I also think that teachers not only spend extra time over their contracts, but they also spend money 
on their classroom, on things for their students, just on even supporting things like bake sales. So I would, I would strongly counter that. And the other thing too is, um, even in like a two family household, like with a mortgage, can I comment first? Let me finish. Cause I'm almost done. Like two kids, like cost of living allowances, notwithstanding, like the amount of education and training a teacher gets versus how much they're compensated for it, I would say is still disproportionate. About the going over contract hours, that is cer- certainly true. And I would say, although I would say the pay is good, but it's definitely not worth the pay, in my opinion. Those are all very valid points for individual teachers because teachers do spend a ton of extra time if they're even a halfway decent teacher. And they do take a lot of money from their from their pay and put it back into the classroom in a variety of ways. I know I did. It's pretty standard. There's not a lot of professions where you can have a family and support your family with only one parent working. So stand by my stance and uh, agree to disagree. But I do think you make mostly valid points. Next dangling thread. I want to talk about the parallels between both the characters and specifically the two love triangles that are going on between Emma, Will, and his wife, and then Finn, Rachel, and Finn's girlfriend. I, I, what did you think about those parallels? Or, In my opinion, I'm not sure that those two love triangles are running parallel. I mean, they might be existing and just not be parallel or perpendicular. Um, I did not remember Will's marriage being so weird and messed up. Like, again, I think I was in, like, my mid-20s so I was like oh whoa that sucks now I am married and I'm like oh that seems like a horrible marriage I know that poor bastard I felt so bad for him when his wife said she was pregnant I know I was like that's so depressing like oh god poor Will Schuster that was dark that was so dark and now that I'm on the other side of 30 I'm like Jesus he's so blatantly just miserable in his relationship and then it's, I mean, that was one of the funny parts in the show. I Yeah, that was definitely not intended an, to be funny. No, I think it was intended to be funny. Okay. I think it was just intended well, to be like it was. dark, dry, depressing humor. It was. And then, and did, did you notice this? Emma is like the most awkward person on the whole show. And she's a stalker, super stalker, dude. She's like stage five, clinger, weird stalker chick. Well, it's a it's a problematic aspect of the show. There there are some stereotypes they're leaning into. Like I feel like they're treating Artie with a lot of respect as a differently abled person, whereas like it kind of seems like Emma is supposed to have OCD or she's supposed to have obsessive tendencies, but they're kind of being played for humor or as a character trait. Whereas Artie, the the kid in the wheelchair, um, I don't know. It seems like he kind of has more respect. What was your thinking on that? If Emma's supposed to supposed to portray someone with with OCD or something, it did not come off that way to me. So I just felt like her scenes were really awkward. The fact, like the whole, dude, the peanut butter jelly sandwich scene was just extremely strange, man. It was very quick, and like the way it ends was just, it's very obvious to uh, the viewer that Will and Emma are going to end up together or should be or, you know, so I don't know, man, what to say about it. It just came off very awkward to me. Yeah, like the MVP of chemistry between Finn and Rachel was super like anti-chemistry between uh, Will and Emma. You're right. The sandwiches were odd. 
I feel like the only reason for having the sandwiches was just to show how shitty Will's life is. He's like, he's like, oh, cool peanut butter. I remember that. And I'm like, oh, goddamn, jeez. Yeah. Like Will. Yeah, your life sucks so bad that you're reminiscing about eating peanut butter sandwiches. <laughs> yeah. It's nice that Emma goes and finds the videotape of Will performing. Where did she find that tape? Who kept that tape? Super stalker, dude. I told you she's a stalker, man. She's like she's like could be a serial killer or something, dude. She showed it on a screen, so that means that someone in 1995 transferred the VHS to a DVD at some point. Like, there's a lot of yeah. leaps having to be made. It's probably her, dude. She probably went to the public library and found it in the index cards. But that was the depressing part. That was a good part of Will's character, though, when he was like, that's the happiest moment of my life. He's like, I knew we won. I was like, oh, my God, dude. Like, I don't know. I mean, your life is your life, and I don't want to judge other people's happiest moments, but I kind of feel like sometimes when people miss high school as the greatest days of their life, I don't know. I feel like I'm having the greatest days of my life now, like with my kid and with my life where it is now. And I want to see where it goes. I don't, it makes me feel bad that Will looks back at this moment in high school and it's kind of all downhill from there. I agree, man. He is uncle Rico, dude. He is such a uncle Rico character. Very true. I've felt that way for a long time. The people, the people that are always like, Oh, I wish I could go back to high school. Why the hell would you want to go back to high school? You can't drink. You know, you can't do so many things. You got to follow your parents' rules on top of all the school rules. Dude, I do I do not want to go back to high school. Yeah, and like even some of my friends who talk about going back to college, like there's a lot of stories I enjoy from college and there's things I'm glad that I I did or had the chance to experience. I don't want to go back to college, man. Like No, me. Oh, uh, it was real weird and awkward. There's nothing to do really, and I think that's why people did dumb things. Because the more I think about it, the more I'm, I'm like, I should have gone and worked harder on my classes. Because the things I wasn't doing at classes, like, there was a lot of Madden playing, which I'm not upset about. But it's more just like, dang, I took so many naps, which was awesome. But mm, I'm kind of happy with where I ended up after college. I want to keep going on this journey and see where it heads. Because, like, I'm happy with the life I lead after, too. So it makes me sad. That, that scene really hit. Because when I hear people say those things... I'm like, damn, man, like, I don't want to judge whatever you've gone through in your life, but that sucks. Just to briefly say, I completely agree. I do not want to go back to college either. Can we talk about the parallels between maybe Will and... I didn't get to call it out in MVPs or high points, but the scene between Finn and... The scene between Finn and Will is such a great teacher-to-student scene because Will is completely lying to Finn but he's doing oh, so yeah. to help him in such a fundamental sure? way. Yes. He really wants to help him. He wants to show him what's inside of him and he wants to show him it's okay to be a performer and to be both things. Like maybe I'm being altruistic here and I want to see those things, but I feel like that's a part of education. You know, like you gotta, even if you don't know what a kid can do as a teacher, you have to be a champion and you have to believe in them before they believe in themselves, you know? So it was just funny that Will was so blatantly lying to him. And, like, the things he was lying about were hilarious. Like, telling him he was going to go to jail for, like, what was that, like a gram or something. It was – that was so funny to me. But, like, what he was doing to him is such a thing that I feel like teachers do, which is, like, seeing the good and, like, seeing the potential in kids before they see it in themselves and then convincing the kid it's there. Because you don't necessarily always know it's there. But you, you got to want to believe. Like, I feel like that's part of being a teacher. 
and I, I have to add, he wasn't lying to him, Drew. He was blackmailing him. He was straight. That was straight up blackmail, dude. I'm not. I'm not sure that Will knew that Finn wanted to be a singer. I I kind of saw it as Will forcing his ambitions onto Finn because he wanted that. Now, I mean, deep down as a viewer, we know that Finn does want that because of the way the story was told. But I'm I think it's a bit of a stretch or may, or maybe not a stretch, but I don't think that necessarily Will was was being altruistic at all. I think he was being extremely selfish in blackmailing Finn. That's one way to look at it. I think that you need to like take into account that Will went to the football practice, that he had an open mind, that he wanted to find people. And so I think that he had already shown that he was being a good dude. And it's good for Finn. He turned out to be right. He, I mean, he is, his, his character is pretty strong. I do have, I do have one complaint about Finn. Uh, his speeches, I thought his speeches, the speech he gave to the football team and the speech he gave to the Glee Club, I thought they were terrible. Uh, I just wasn't pumped up about those speeches. I thought they were weak scenes. I would agree with you on the the scene where he tries to get the Glee kids to believe in him and believe in themselves. I don't know. I thought there was just, I think there was something about the football scene when he says that stuff to those kids, like, A a sophomore or a junior in high school wouldn't have the life experience. Well, I don't want to say wouldn't have, cause you don't know what kids go through, but maybe wouldn't have the self-awareness to say that kind of speech to the rest of them. Although that's exactly what you would want kids to say. And I feel like maybe that's the writer or the director speaking directly to the audience saying high school sucks. Your status there doesn't matter, but I know that you super care, but here's why it doesn't matter. If that makes sense. I think this show speaks to a certain type of high schooler extremely well. It's a lot of high schoolers, not just like theater kids, but like just kids who feel like No, no, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Kids that kids that are maybe unsure about themselves or, you know, things like that. But I feel like it's a lot of kids and the ones who project that they are super comfortable and super uh secure and kind of either smug or self-assured, a lot of times that's kids like, you know, covering up for the fact that they have doubts or that they're trying to figure it out. So I think it's more than just like some, I think it might be the majority of kids. I don't know, man, like high school, middle school suck, even in the best of conditions. I think maybe a majority of the kids are just like, eh, you know, and like some kids it's like really awesome. And other kids it's like terrible. I would say that a lot of high schoolers would just be really turned off by that show. That's why I said maybe a certain type of high schooler, because if you're not if you're not willing to accept that genre of TV show, you're never going to give it a shot to even hear that scene. Fair. It's late in the episode. The people who are going to watch are invested. Very late. But it's it's necessary to the plot, you know. Finn's got to do what Finn's got to do in the first episode to establish himself and you know, I don't know how many episodes they ordered, you know, in a run. Like maybe they ordered 10 episodes and I know this show got popular fast and they like made changes, but I think they were establishing Finn as a certain type of character and, you know, positioning him as like the leading man. All right. So we've knocked off both of my dangling threads. Do you have anything? My dangling thread was the teacher talk, which we got into, which will be heavily edited. Hopefully you could actually just play some music. And if you wanted to voice over Drew and Jimbo argued <laughs> that would accomplish the exact same thing as them listening to us. Good point. Those were good threads. What do you think about the gun scene, the paintball guns? 
Uh, it was very not 2017 or even 20 or even 2012. 2009. This show came out in 2009. I don't know why it was a paintball gun. They could have slurpied him. They seem to slurpy a lot of people. What did you think about the bullying in general? I think that lots of things were sensationalized in the show for effect. It was very interesting that in 2009, they were up on cyberbullying. The things that like the cheerleaders wrote to Rachel real messed up. But the thing is, those are things that kids write to each other for real. So um, I think some parts of the show were sensationalized, but some parts of the show were someone's experience. It captured the the bullying well. Yeah. What do you think about just the high schoolness of the show? It captured the essence of being in high school like a million times better than Buffy. I think it's not quite as good as, as let's say, Mean Girls. Where, where would you put it on a spectrum? The parts of the show that were really super on for the teaching were the parts of the show that showed the students in class being bored. You know, it showed like the day-to-day stuff, which I thought was nice. It's a TV show, so there were like four sets like one exterior three interiors and that's where all the scenes were there were physical limitations to how realistic it was but you know some parts of it were super real some parts of it again like i'm saying were sensationalized i think that what made it a strong pilot was that the creators and the director blended the two things you know like the parts that were really real were kind of wrapped around the sensationalized world filled with humor so that the things that were really tough were wrapped up in some more entertaining things. So it was a little easier to put in some sugar with the medicine. All right, you know what? I'm just going to very briefly, one last thread. This show had excellent representation. And yeah. can I just make a comment? I love when Rachel talks about her two gay dads. And then she's not sure which one the real dad is. They put the sperm in a blender or something like that. And her one dad is black. It is, I, I thought that was funny. The fact that she's obviously not black and she's she's not sure who her dad is. That's just like she is so colorblind. And I think it fits her character well. And it's awesome. And, you know, that's a joke that definitely that rewards details and rewards the careful viewer because she's saying it as again, they're editing down all the pictures and her thing. It's it's a really nice piece of work representation of the show was great i think what was great was you know definitely different ethnicities a nice gender balance but also you know some different socioeconomic representation finn's a poor kid yep um it's nice that he's being spotlighted rachel isn't you know and she's a fully realized three-dimensional character so there's no good guy and bad guy or there's no kind of judgment based on socioeconomic class but it's talked about and nicely realized for where they are in terms of one episode all right so let's move on we are gonna step into our to hoist or not to hoist that is the question but before we get there drew's gonna tell us whether he is going to watch or re-watch glee this is this is a strong no thanks glee's great i i occasionally watch songs on youtube that are heavily blaine centric guy's a great performer glee lives on in my pandora station because you can hear some of the really fun popular covers and Desposito plays a lot. So I'm not going to rewatch, but I am going to re-listen via Pandora, which can sponsor the podcast if they listen. How about you, Jimbo? I'm going to say I'm definitely not going to rewatch Glee or continue watching. Are you hoisting a show on its own petard? Did Glee wander a little too close to the petards and they didn't get away in time? Or are you not hoisting the show? Glee cleared the blast zone. Talk to us about petards. 
I'm hoisting, man. In case you couldn't tell, I have I have too many critiques. I have too many low points. They were not. Rachel was not enough to save Glee. I do think Rachel got away. Rachel's safe. The rest of them hoisted by their own petards. Drew, uh, this is a not hoist, and I'm I'm surprised because this was in a conversation of in my mind good pilots. I feel like in a conversation we had off mic, we talked about what are you looking for in a pilot? And what we talked about was an even an even division of one-third storytelling, one-third entertainment, one-third foundation laying, like setting the stage for later episodes. We then got into an argument about entertainment and storytelling, which we will not get into now. But by those three criterion, I think this is a strong pilot. I think of those three things, what suffers the most is storytelling. You're right. There's a lot of tonal shifts. The jokes did land for me. A lot of the humor landed for me. And in the place where you said the Sue Sylvester never quite stuck with you, she definitely stuck with me. Um, So I'm not going to hoist this one. I think it's a strong um, pilot with a really nice diverse cast that um, has some nicely realized characters while still playing fun with some stereotypes. And I like the music. Rachel carried this thing on her back. She was the MVP, and she made it happen. She's the LeBron. I'm going to be a good co-hoister, and I'm going to say, as an individual, I hoist Glee. But as Pilots and Petards podcast, Glee is going to get an official not hoist. All right, by unanimous decision, Glee officially not hoist. Huzzah! Anti-sound effect. That was a very magnanimous view, Jimbo. I like that. I like how we have individual hoists and then we decide as a podcast. I did not know you were going to do that. That was cool. Well, I wasn't planning on doing that, but you were just so strong for it, which I kind of anticipated. And to be honest, it wasn't it wasn't a clear not hoist. It wasn't Buffy. So I can I I, I can let it slide by unanimous decision. You're you're pushing that phrase. Maybe it's a hashtag. Maybe it's a hashtag, and maybe I should learn how to enunciate it better. Yeah, I kept I kept thinking, like, he's saying unanimous. <laughs> Where did you read that? Okay, it's it's a Jimboism. <laughs> yeah, sorry. All right, so let's move on to Petardar. Drew, why don't you start us off? Okay, well, here's, here's what I saw my Petardar, and this is what uh, I remember going to um, after watching this show. If you've never watched this show before and you want an introduction to Broadway musicals, uh, Glee is a great way to get in. Glee hits some of the the high points, a lot of Wicked songs that you can kind of find through Glee. But one of the musicals that I found through Glee wasn't necessarily um, featured on the show, but it's where uh, Leah Michelle, who plays Rachel, broke out. The 2006 cast recording of Spring Awakening uh, is a musical based on an 1891 play about turn-of-the-century German kids in a village just learning about sexuality and dating each other. And there's a lot of really great songs. And Leah Michelle is the uh, lead, so she sings a lot of the great songs, and her voice is just on display with this soundtrack, highly recommended. In addition, if there's any Hamilton heads out there, you'll be back with Jonathan Groff, who also uh, was in Spring Awakening. Jimbo, how about you? Tell us about your petardar. I thought La La Land. I I felt like a lot of things that that missed with me about Glee, La La Land hit. 
I didn't really mention it, but the bright colors and all that flamboyant stuff on Glee was was kind of like a miss for me. But I felt La La Land had a way better visualization and choreography with their storytelling. So so I would recommend if you want an adult version of Glee, there's no high school characters in La La Land. I, I think La La Land would be a good one. If you want a, a better representation of high school, I say Mean Girls would be in my Petardar. If you like Glee and you haven't seen Mean Girls yet, you, you have to go watch Mean Girls. Jimbo, what are we watching next week? Oregon viewers are really dominating the Pilots and Petar fan club right now. So last week we gave a shout out to this week to Brian for Glee because he's one of our faithful listeners. We have another faithful listener in Oregon who is recommending we do Supernatural. So next week we're going to step into Supernatural. I have not seen a single second of Supernatural. I'm going to be coming in with fresh eyes. I've seen an episode or two of Supernatural. I am more aware of it because of its social media platform i just know that the two guys are in a lot of memes they're in a lot of gifs i think i'm going to recognize some faces but not necessarily the show itself so jimbo where can people find us if they want to find us on social media the first thing that you could do if you're lazy is just put in your search bar just put pilots and petard and you're going to get a handful of hits we have a website at pilotsandpetard.com We have our podcast. If you're not listening on a podcast app, our podcast should be on most Android apps, and it's definitely on Apple and iTunes. And Drew, can you give the listeners our Instagram and our Twitter? Absolutely. Um, Our Instagram is Pilots and Petards Podcast. Find us there. we got some memes, some memory going. Uh, We are on Twitter, at Pilots and Petards. So you can tweet at us with some show suggestions or uh, if that's where you want your social media shout out to go. And we have a Facebook group. So again, uh, the same way that you find us on the internet uh, by putting in Pilots and Petards, uh, put it in the search bar on Facebook. You can join us there. A couple more actually. We have an email if you want to email us. We are at pilotsinpetardspodcast at gmail.com. And then also on our website, we would, or I would especially, Jimbo would appreciate any comments. If you want to continue any of the conversations that we've had here, I think the website would be a great place for that. If you have any feedback on the show, I can take it on the website. Or if you have any feedback on the website, I'm all about feedback at this point, trying to fine tune the show. Indeed. Don't forget those reviews. Yes, reviews. Once again, in case you you skipped the first part and you're still here for this last part, we will give you a plug on your social media of choice or we will send you a personalized Pilots and Petards postcard. It's going to be a hot item in the future if Drew and I ever become super famous. And when we become super that. famous. When we become super famous for podcasting. When Drew becomes super famous. Nice. And... If you didn't notice from the music, the show is over. But if you want to stick around because you just love us as much as we love us, then we're just going to kind of talk it out for a little bit. Enjoy the music. I need, I need to give a plug out to Jake Drew and a unanimous uh, guitar player. Jake Drew mixed up the music that you're hearing right now. And you can find Jake Drew on Instagram, Twitter, or YouTube. Just go and search for Jake Drew on there if you want to get a little more of his music. 
And that's my plug for this week. Nice. I think we got most of what what we had to talk about for uh, Glee. Yeah, edit out a bunch of my teacher stuff, especially in uh, in the dangling thread. Like, I don't, you, you don't have to have me repeat okay. anything I said. Like, if I said it once. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think I was doing the same. Yeah, oh, and then fair. I, I kind of pr- promised Brian that that uh, we weren't going to talk about shop. I made no such pro- I made no such promise. Okay, go for it then. Yeah. Well, yeah, man. Glee. You know what? Glee just did. Glee just didn't hold up like it did, uh, or like I expected. It. It. Uh, I mean, you know, I gave you your uh, not hoist just out of sympathy, probably more than anything. Oh, uh, I think you're moved by my arguments and my passion. And also, I called out the diversity of the cast, as well as the organic way that it was integrated into the story. I was right is, like, one way of looking at it, too. Fine. But you were right, Drew. I know. Oh, never gets old. Audience, if you're still with us, if, if you're still with us, uh, we, we have a couple other requests. If anyone wants to send us some artwork, we will post that on Instagram. We might even adopt some of that stuff for, for the website. So if you want to contribute to the artistic value of pilots and petards, feel free. Also, if you're a musician and you want to lay down an instrumental track for one of our closings, we will plug you and we will allow our listeners to jam out to you. And I have to eat my words. Last week, my low point was the hero. The One Punch Man theme song. And if you have not appreciated the One Punch theme song, the hero there is a link to it on last week's blog post so just click on the hero and it'll take you to youtube and i was wrong man that thing is awesome i even watched it today right before uh the show just to make sure and it is good the, and i would i would listen to that song outside of watching i know right i know it's a really good song and you combine it with the visual super drop the ball man yeah i couldn't believe yeah. it when you said it it, it is it's Dude, I was like, I was like, spit take. Hey. I can, hey, I can, I can um, admit when I'm wrong. And if something happens, you know, if, if, uh, you know, if uh, fate hits me and I, and I have to come back and tell Drew that I was wrong about the education system, you know, I will. Yeah, yeah, I, I can admit when I'm wrong. I am slightly disappointed that. And I'm hogging up my, my favorite part of the show. I think it shows how much I love it. Um, I thought our education talk was going to be comparable to last week's education talk. I, I thought last week's education analysis into One Punch Man was, was excellent. It, it was. Um, I mean, well, I mean, here's the thing. There's a lot more. There's a lot more sympathy and patience for talking about the suffering of the American student than the American teacher. The students. Yeah, for sure. So maybe that factor. Yeah. In. Now, as, as as an ex student, I have I have plenty of empathy for teachers. And and when I say I'm tired of teachers complaining about money, like I'm not I'm not bashing on the teachers or the profession. I just don't think that's the complaint. Teachers should be complaining about lack of resources, lack of support, you know, lack of parental. Uh, you know, guidance. They should be complaining about a lot of other things because th- their job should should um, be easier. And so let me maybe kind of change change my perspective. I guess, but I mean, you know, 
those things aren't mutually exclusive. You can complain about all those things because all those things are valid. But if, if all those other things were there, I think the pay would be worth it. But they're not. No, well, of course, unless you're lucky or at a superhuman school. Well, fun. We'll get we'll get a whole bunch of one punch mates to teach that. No, dude. I was like looking at kids this week, and I was like, your thing when you were like, oh, those little Saitamas. I was like, oh, little Saitamas. <laughs> These guys. No, yeah. I mean, we'll we'll see. We'll how we'll talk about the American educational system in terms of supernatural next week. It'll always come up, dude. I think so. Yeah, I think so. We'll, we'll do it. We'll do it for yeah. you, Brian. We know that you love it when we talk shop. It's wonderful. Yep. Uh, I think, I think I'm ready. Uh, Jimbo. All right. Out. Uh, Drew out. Uh, every day we're hoistling. Every day we're hoistling. <laughs>